Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for tuning in. If you are an avid podcast listener, if you are a Rise Up Live Free fan, thank you for your support. I can't tell you how much that means to us. Uh, knowing that you're listening and that you're taking action on the strategies that we bring to you every single week. Now, as you know, listening to this podcast, we are focused on empowering you in the game of money, showing you clarity and a clear path to achieving financial freedom in your life, no matter where you start in 10 years or less. And in doing so, we constantly are focused on bringing mindsets, skill sets, and networks to the table. And today's episode, we bring a very, very powerful guest to the table who uses some explicit language. We want to give you a fair warning before you tune in and dive into this podcast. If that language would offend you, please do not listen to this podcast. If, however, you are ready to take the dive, then dive into this podcast, enjoy the content, But again, be aware there is some explicit language in this podcast. Thank you again, my friends, and enjoy the podcast. I think life just kept giving me those examples. And whenever I would let my guard down and not focus and be as positive, something would happen to me in my life that was, you know, a real big challenge. And it would make me refocus and say, all right, you kind of lost your way. Like, Don't forget that even though this is a huge challenge, there's a lot of positivity out there. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now, rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. Okay, welcome back, Rise Up Live Free podcast listeners. This is a very, very special episode. Actually a dream of mine. I have my college roommate. Scotty Alpaw on on the podcast. So, Scotty, uh, why don't you tell everybody about yourself? Uh, that's right. I have been Jimmy's roommate through college and thereafter. Right now, uh, it, we've been we've been apart for quite a few years, but now I live in Central Jersey with my family, my beautiful wife, and three children. I have a totally different career. I work in finance, um, but that's another story. But I have spent a lot of time with the host of this show. So now, Scotty, you know, we talk a lot about on the Rise Up Live Free podcast about mindset. And really, this is the man, the individual who showed me how to never, ever be in a bad mood, how to never, ever get down. And so Scotty just wrote a book about the holidays and uh, celebrating the holidays in our 2020 pandemic. And so um, that's why Scotty's on the show today. And why don't you, uh, what's the title of the book, Scotty? Uh, the title of the book is Have No Fear. There's Always Fucking Next Year, a COVID <laughs> tale. Okay. Um, and now I, I know inside our community, there's a bunch of side hustlers, a bunch of people uh, wanting to start their own side hustle, a uh, bunch of dreamers out there, potentially a bunch of people out there who actually want to write a book. And I will testify on this podcast right now that, like, look, if what's stopping you from writing a book is you don't think you're a good enough writer, if you don't think you're talented enough, 
I will testify that my friend Scotty right here has the least God-given ability to actually write. And if this guy can do it, anybody can do it. Would you like to speak to that, Scotty? I think that's a very important message. Jimmy, you have read my writing before, and I am terrible. And you can actually see on the back cover, my manager, who was required to read some of my emails, actually said that he believes this book to be a fabrication of of my writing because he knows he has said that for the last nine years he never saw me put together a cognitive readable email and and i have like i i read a lot and i um so grow what did you major in at school uh systems engineering and leadership and management okay and then like what did you actually ever did you actually fail your english courses or just get straight d's <laughs> i the the grades were consistently low i've never i've never done there was one mis- mistake made in high school where i was in ap english but i think she just kept me around because she found me uh incredibly interesting <laughs> gotcha and and so where i'm talking about is is it time for the cow pen story <laughs> I definitely think if you want to talk about the bell curve of my writing, the low end would be cow pens and the high end would be this published work. Okay, so let's start at the low end. Um so it, what, was that freshman year? When what year was cow pens? I would say I think it was I think it was sophomore year. Okay, but it was a military history class, right? <laughs> That's correct. Okay. And so you had everybody to graduate sophomore year has to write a, a story about the book of Calpen or about the battle of Calpens. That was a, it was a, uh, it was a battle in the revolutionary war. If you've ever seen the Patriot, that last battle is somewhat, it's a combination of Calpens and the Guilford uh, courthouse. And so I don't really remember me writing mine. I just remember yours. And so it was like a pamphlet of a book. And now they gave you a teaser like of cow pens to learn about it, but you were supposed to go research it on your own. You're supposed to go look at bigger books, get bigger quotes, look at bigger stuff. And the main character, so Mel Gibson is like supposed to be Daniel Morgan and he's supposed to be uh, another guy, the swamp box. But inside this book was a caption of a picture of Daniel Morgan. And underneath the, the caption was <laughs> Daniel Morgan was a hearty and gregarious leader. And I knew Scotty was having an issue with the paper when that was one of his footnotes. I was like, <laughs> that is, that is a true story. I did use a caption and footnoted it. I actually mentioned how, how he was a hearty and gregarious leader. So <laughs> I, re- we, I, I, I remember your response to that. And you're like, is this real? <laughs> like you actually couldn't believe that a human had put something so terrible together. Like I and I was an English major, so Scotty would rely on me to like read his papers. And that that one, like that Cowpens paper actually pissed me off. Because I'm like, <laughs> look, this dude, this is codependency. He's just expecting me to write this paper. I'm like, he can't even put the effort for a real footnote. He's getting he's getting the <laughs> captions from under the pictures. It's actually unbelievable that I wrote this book now that you bring this up. <laughs> So I will tell you that my wife had a big hand in editing this. I, I, will, gotcha. I will tell you that happened. Well, let's. So we've established that. Hey, you're. What do you want to talk about next? You want to talk about the book, or you want to talk about how you've always maintained a good mood no matter what's going on? Well, why don't we talk a little bit about how I've maintained a good mood, and then kind of roll into the genesis of this book? Listen, I think you've since you've known me, 
I had a really rough time in my first couple years at West Point, but then I started laughing about it a little bit more. I mean, I was a miserable, miserable bastard um, because <laughs> I just didn't expect to be there and, and it to be like that. Because, again, very similar to the Cowpens, I really didn't know my my research and didn't know what I was getting myself into. And that's a very fair statement. You just wanted to, uh, you just wanted to play lacrosse, right? I, I did. I did. And, you know, the knee injury changed the colleges that I chose. And listen, I would go back and choose West Point up front 100 times out of 100. But I will tell you that I was confused for the first couple of years and it was just a disaster. But out of that disaster came, I think, in partnership with you and probably us watching The Big Lebowski about 100,000 times, was an understanding of like, what life is and how to handle the toughest um, and shittiest situations and how little control you actually have over those. And I think what's interesting is my life has repeatedly taught me that. And, and, and some of the things that I've taken out of the toughest times that I've been through um, have been, listen, there's a lot of good coming out of this. If you can just shift your focus and, and, you know, to use a line that we've used or that Jimmy taught me, maintain my chi and understand what really is the most important thing to focus on the things you can actually change. And a lot of times when we're in situations like a global pandemic, you can't change anything except those small daily activities, like the amount of time you spend with your wife or the amount of time you play with your children. Like that is something that you can change. And so I think life just kept giving me those examples and whenever I would let my guard down and not focus and be as positive, something would happen to me in my life that was, you know, a real big challenge. And it would make me refocus and say, all right, you kind of lost your way. Like, don't forget that even though this is a huge challenge, there's a lot of positivity out there. So, I mean, because I'll be honest with you, like I would not have gotten through West Point without you. I would not have gotten through without uh, you being like, hey, dude. Just F it, man. Like, it's going to be all right. Like, yeah, I think, be- I think it's a bit of an art. And look, I mean, I, 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 I feel very similar. You know, I don't know that I would have made it through without you as well. And I think that's another important thing. Like, you know, everybody thinks when they're in these horrible times that they're all alone and you're just never alone. Like every time I was down, you were there for a comment or, or some witty banter that would like blow up my spot and bring me back to reality. You know, I think I, I remember there was one time when we were, you know, we were both writing a paper and this one I was actually trying on. And you were like, hey, what if we went what if we went out for drinks and saw how much we could drink and then still write the story? And <laughs> I, 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 I remember writing into I mean, I don't think we slept. And I remember writing the story and was like, and that even came out better than cow pens, which is a mystery to me. But like, you know, it's those kind of things where it's like, is it really like? You know, I remember that because it's a fond memory, but I wouldn't remember it if we just did bad on a paper. And so I think that's really the important message. And that's what I've taken away from all the things that have happened in my life. And so, and then, uh, you know, I'm going to run through Scotty's CV. So, or, you know, we'll go through some times where you've kind of uh, taken a kick in the ass. So, you know, I would say West Point was a daily, uh, a daily kick in the ass. And just how did we make a game out of it? How do we make it fun? And then you you served in Iraq and had a pretty intense deployment. Yep. Uh, I, was, you, I was hurt overseas and then, which is a difficult thing in and of itself. Like my employment, my deployment was, uh, you know, it was it was at a bad time in Iraq and, and there were some bad things that happened there. Um, but I valued it. Like I was, you know, I think a lot of soldiers feel closer to their troops 
into their comrades when they're overseas and have a more difficult time soldiering when they're home because it is, you know, you spend all the time training and you actually want to be involved in something and doing what you consider to be work. And so I took a lot of value. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I have some of the funniest times. I remember running into you in Kuwait and like how fun that was. You know, I remember bumping into people, you know, I remember people showing up because they knew I was having so much fun there you know, showing up and, and me taking them out and patrol with me, which seems like a ridiculous thing. Like, why would you go out on an extra patrol? And we did it just because like, you know, we need to find a little fire in each other. But, you know, a very difficult thing for me there was actually getting hurt. You know, I had had a history of knee, knee surgeries, like three at that point. And I have six now, but prior to that, you know, I think getting sent home and leaving your crew there is, is a tough thing to get through. And, and that, that, I would say that balance. like, Coming home before the rest of your guys and like the rest of your buddies, I it, I mean it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it was it was not easy. Yeah, on the surface area, you'd be like, oh, that guy gets to go home early, and you're like, no way. Like every day, that had to be grinding on you. Yeah, it was definitely grinding. I mean, you're back in the you're back in Garrison, and you're just doing you know like I, mean, I think one day I was power washing. I was like, Jesus, what is what's happening here? Like, how is this a thing? Like I need to get back to these guys, and I, I, you know, I felt a tremendous amount of guilt, um, and I think, you know, I think what a big misnomer is is people are like, oh, that guy has post-traumatic stress syndrome. I think, I think the reality is this is that we all change when we come home, um, in certain ways. It just happens to be on how our mind or our person handles those changes and how how deeply we were involved in different things and how they affected us. That's the difference. But I do think. Anyone who served overseas in a wartime has some semblance of of change that happens, and and I would call that PTSD. And well, I, yeah, you that was that was well, that was one of the toughest things I had to deal with was coming home without them. Yeah, you can't see extreme things. There'd be something wrong with you if you would see extreme things in an environment like that and just be like, eh, I wasn't affected at all. Like not not a chance. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm very aware of like my shortcomings, like. You know, for me, I took a lot of the hardships, put them in a box, wrap them up, shove them in a corner, and, you know, you go back to work five seconds later. And now, me today, you know, when someone's like, I'm stressed out, and and listen, I know this is wrong before I say it. When someone is like, I'm stressed out, oh, this is this is bad, and, you know, they're, they're really struggling emotionally, I have very little compassion for that. And that is a tough <laughs> thing, especially for, for a guy who's married, you know, when, when things are stressing my wife out, like... You know, I think about stress in a different level and I just have no time for that. And that's something I've been working on. But my God, it's like, I know that's a shortcoming of mine. And my wife was standing right next to me right now. She'd be like, yeah, he doesn't care. But <laughs> it's not that I don't care. I just don't, you know, that is my challenge. But, if, you know, I would say you probably care. It just doesn't hit your radar as something to be cared about yet. Yeah, I care later. I think that's the issue. Right. Like when I came back, when I got evac to Germany, I mean, this is one of the most ridiculous things ever. I remember watching Extreme Home Makeover, uh-huh. and I had been in all this combat. And now I'm in, and I'm watching Extreme Home Makeover, and I started crying like a baby. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is happening to me? How is this a thing? How is this a thing? And it just that triggered my emotion. But again, I was aware of it, and like, this is something I can cope with. And you know, I focus on a lot of the positive things. Like, look, this happened. You can get through this. Whatever. We'll figure this out. Type of thing. Okay, so this, I mean, this attitude of, hey, nothing will ever get me down. I'll make a game out of it, yada, yada, yada. Yep. 
All right. So now let's fast forward like 20 years. Okay. Um, till to let's for fast forward till this March. So you waking up every day and you're saying to myself, or at least I'm saying whenever I think about you, like, damn, he could not ride himself out of a paper bag. Like, like, yeah. you know, on Billy, remember Billy Madison when, um, they're doing the academic decathlon. Yes. And, uh, Billy Madison debates and he's like, now industry, man, that was a revolution. <laughs> yes. And do you remember what the, uh, do you remember what the principles, um, um, what his response was? No. He goes, Mr. Madison, that is the worst response to any <laughs> question ever given. And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> yeah, that is basically me trying to write a book. But I can like tell whenever you Whenever I would read something from your pen, I, that's what I was saying. I'm like, may God have mercy on his soul. Like, how could he be? <laughs> he's so good at so many other things. How could he be this and that? Yeah, it was definitely. Look, I can tell you, I could talk to anybody. I can say in person, I'm fantastic. But if you expect me to write something, or send an email, it, you are going to be dissatisfied with the results. I mean, that is, I mean, I want to, if we're talking about shortcomings, number one, if I write you an email, be prepared to be disappointed. Unless, unless I put a Google image in it, because my Google search is better than anybody on the, in the world. So what I try and do is I try and focus on what I'm good at. So I'll throw an image in there, make somebody laugh, laugh and they'll forget what the content of the email is. Genius. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. So how did I get to this point? So wait, okay. When did the inkling? And then one more time, what's the title of the book? Uh, the title of the book is Have No Fear. There's Always Fucking Next Year, A COVID Tale. Okay. So uh, avail available on Amazon right now for purchase on paperback or ebook. No. So the, um, the, the, the title, that's the title. How did, how did I think that up? So what month did I start? So first of yeah. all, you know, I had been commuting to the city, you know, leaving every morning at 530 in the morning, getting home after 730, typically, sometimes, you know, late hours of the morning. I was also traveling, traveling all over uh, the United States. And so, you know, not having to commute, you know, like, was like, oh, my God, like, you know, I like to go. It didn't bother me. Again, another thing that doesn't bother me, I was commuting an hour and a half each way, and it didn't really bother me. It just was like, I was like, I was just doing my thing. And then I spent a lot of quality time with the kids on the weekend. But when this hit, they were like, hey, how anybody... long? So how long was your commute? One way, 90 minutes? 90 minutes, one way. Yeah. So like Scotty was in hours Jersey, a week. And then in the Midwest, I can't imagine any place taking 90 days, you know, 90 minutes to get to. So. Yeah. Yeah. Into the city, you know, in a suit. And now I'm working from home every day. And it happened like mid-March. They asked if anybody wanted to work from home before this had become really big. And I was one of the first people to raise my hand because I'm like, yeah, I'm, what you, you want me to work from home? I'm not commuting. Absolutely. Um, and that's before everything turned really dark. Um, and, and it was soon after that where I was, again, you know, my wife has, has some anxiety around situations. And so she was worried about the pandemic and, and I was trying to be thoughtful about that. And I was like, look, you know, we can survive here. We have food, we have water, we have all these things. I was like, and we're about to spend a ton of time with each other. Now, my wife had just quit her job as a lawyer and expected to be playing tennis and doing yoga a significant percentage of the time. So finding out that she was going to be a school teacher was a difficult thing to battle. 
Um, but me, I was just coming to work from home, didn't have to commute. So there was a big bright side on my side and a big, a little bit of a downside on her side. But you know, what I noticed was like, okay, now I'm spending more time with my wife. I see my kids every day. I get up later. I'm not commuting. And like, I love these people and this is fantastic. And I miss engaging with people at work and engaging with people out in the world. But as far as like spending more time with my family, I thought, you know, this was, this was a slam dunk. Now, huge disclaimer here before we dig into like, Hey, this guy is, you know, numb to the world's problems, not a thing. Okay. The big disclaimer here is this is the, it's a global pandemic. It's horrible. There is incredible racial tension out there right now. There are horrible, you know, political choices this year. Um, and people are dying and being irreparably hurt. I mean, these are terrible things. And so I want to take those. Well, let me and then let me let me add in my two cents, Scotty. Like, I think we spent the first 20 minutes of the podcast explaining the fact that in some really horrible situations, you have a unique gift. <laughs> Maybe your unique ability is to find a silver lining in anything. I, I think I put it in like, you know, we talked about that box earlier that I put all those things that were happening yeah. to me. And I, sh I, I, I kind of put those in a box and said, every time somebody said something bad to me, I gave those disclaimers and said, but what about the time you spend with your kids? Like now every morning I have, I have a, I have a cup of coffee with my wife. Like when did I ever think that was going to happen when I retired? But yeah, the, so the argument is not that Scotty has unique ability to block bad things out. The argument is that Scotty has a unique ability of seeing horrible things, trying to make a difference inside times when horrible things are happening, and finding the way to suck out every piece of joy possible inside that game. So, uh, yeah, I believe I be anyone who's offended because Scotty has a unique ability to find joy in tragedy, um, I you know, maybe this isn't the podcast for you, and um, Godspeed and... <laughs> You know, I, I, I look, everybody, everybody's different. You know, I hope something, yeah. I, I hope what this book people take away from this book is first of all, if you think you could do something, just try it because we've already, it's already on record that I am literally <laughs> the worst writer in history. And I wrote a book that I think is actually, I mean, you've read it. Like, I mean, I, I, so really I was driving on the highway and Scotty was reading the rough draft to me and I had to pull over because I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> so, I, I mean, just to give everybody a look, like Jimmy isn't the only person who who thinks this. I called my cousin and I was like, "Hey, I wrote a book," and his response was, "That's not a thing, and don't read it to me because I'm not interested." But and he is in the publishing industry, right? That's right, that's right. And he was like, "I, you know, I hear." So these he's probably got time. ten writers every week being like, "Hey, my book's done. You got to listen to it, right?" <laughs> I, I think there's probably. I think it's probably more like a couple hundred. <laughs> All right, and so now you, now this is perfect Scotty style. You, you'll make that call. You don't care. You know no, it's going to annoy him. You know it's going to bother him. You know, I think a, I think a big thing, in my, and I think a lot of people have this experience, but, you know, one thing that's always important to me is I, I try to treat everybody as fair as possible. And so I feel like if people can call on me, like we should be making those calls. And I think people are very hesitant to, to, to look to people for some support at times. And I think that's wrong because like, that's what all we have is each other. Like you and I were roommates. When I needed you, you made fun of me and brought me back up and I was back. Same yeah. thing with you. You were like, I'm not doing this. This is what I brought you back. 
you know, you, you laughed at me when I, you know, I remember when you were doing security checks and like you, you, I, I had set something up so you didn't have to do anything and you were flaunting it in my face. Oh, let's, let's, so you know what I love about podcasting? (laughs) Like this isn't a webinar. This isn't like something we got to just blast through. Like we can dig into this story. So this, this might be a story worth telling, but yeah, I mean, I was the platoon leader. I told, I elected Jimmy as our security officer, knowing that he wouldn't have to go to formation, that he needed to check people's rooms. Jimmy, well, yeah. So secure. What I should have been doing in the morning was going through people's rooms and making sure they were locking their valuables up. That was my role. And instead, Jimmy was staying in his bathrobe, not making and his I, bed, not making his it, bed, and the sleeping. Stars aligned because I had. So I didn't have to go to breakfast. I didn't have to go to morning formation. And I had the first two hours off. So that was a semester. I got to sleep until 10 every day at West Point, which is unheard of. It was, I need, I needed Jimmy one is the thing only person who had a real college experience at West Point, And I take full responsibility for it. <laughs> and instead of thanking me, and instead of saying, hey, listen, no one's ever had this at West Point, Jimmy legitimately shoved it in my face. <laughs> like putting a cigarette butt out in my eyes and was like, Hey, look at me guys. I'm in my bathrobe every day till 1030. And you guys, I could have put a uniform on. I could have gone to breakfast. And the only way to make this work was to have your best friend be your platoon leader. And I could have been grateful. And you know, I'm 40 now, so I understand the importance of being grateful. But as a 22 year old punk, I just wanted to rub it into him. Yeah. Because the other thing about having friends in the military is you love to be amused by their suffering. Yeah. And but to be fair, like that was another moment where I was like, I, I found it in the telling of that story is so is worth so much more than the actual frustration. And I think that's like me grabbing that moment again. Um, but the, yes, that was a typical that was a typical day with Jimmy. Do you want me to talk a little bit about how I came up with the idea for this or absolutely? All right. So basically, you know. Again, guys, disclaimers out there, terrible time, um, you know, but I'll be honest with you still, you know, the greatest, this is the greatest place on earth because people can do things like this. They can, they can, you know, from any background in this country, people have the opportunity to do different things. And yeah, we struggle to raise up depending on the things that are going on around us. And there are challenges for everyone, but there is a, there is a chance. There is a chance. And so, you know, at and the beginning, it's more of the, than like dumb and dumber, there's a chance, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at the beginning of this, I spent a lot of time with my family and I was like, this is fantastic. And so I came up with this idea to write a kid's kid's book instead of the adult kid's book that I wrote. I was going to write a book uh, either from the dad's view or the kid's view of a dad who was never around until the weekend. And now suddenly... He was around because that's the silver lining in this. Like I saw my kids every day, morning, before they went to bed, during the day. I taught my kid math, things like that. And so I was like, I told my wife, Danielle, I was like, I'm going to write a book about this and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be this uplifting thing because this, like people are struggling with this. And look, it sucks a lot of days, but like this will be great. It'll be so uplifting. And so I would tell her like March, April timeframe. What are we, what are we talking? Yeah, we're talking about like April, May, April, May. Okay. And then, and then through the months, I would recite lines. I would come up with these rhymes and recite them to my wife. And she's like, this is great. You should really do that. And then uh, a few weeks ago, I had a dream. And I was like, I wrote that book. But I also wrote this other book, which was this sarcastic, 
call it a Jimmy and Scotty version of that book, which was more bent for adults. And it was an adult expression of 2020, the virtual school, the drinking, the <laughs> the working from home, thinking it was going to be as rosy as can be, and then just being totally surprised, um, you know, and, and everything in between the the injustices and the surprising, uh, the surprise of everything. And in my dream, I started writing it and I woke up, you know, I've been waking up much later. I'm not going to say the time because I don't want my current, my current employer to understand those. But, you know, I, I, I started, woke up super early in the morning and started writing things down on paper. And within a couple of days I had written this, I had written what you, the version of what you had heard, like a version of that. And so I just started, again, my writing's terrible. I started having my wife edit it. I read it to a couple people and people were like, dude, everybody feels this way. You need to say this. But even though they felt it, they felt that way, it was written in a humorous manner. So instead of them feeling worse about their current environment, they were like, they were crying, laughing. And I was calling people on the West Coast. I was calling people on the East Coast. And I was like, yo, just hear me out. Let me, let me give you this. And I was FaceTiming them. So it was like, we're and they just, everybody enjoyed it. I mean... Would you, so how do you want to handle this? Do you want to read some experts, excerpts, or do you just want to tell people to go buy it? Well, I mean, I could, I could, uh, I could read a little bit if you'll excuse the, uh, if you'll excuse the profanity, but you didn't print sure. me for this. So let me see if I can find it in my email. Yeah. Let me see the copy you're looking at right now. I don't, I don't have the book because it just went to paperback. I mean, it just went like, <laughs> I didn't even awesome. have it. I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a copy because I don't know if everybody knows this, but Amazon is like, you click the button, they print the copy. So, so really, who, how did you get the illustrations then? Um, so after I told my cousin about this, um, we decided, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get this out there. One, there's nothing like it. And two, and this it's is like, like two weeks ago, right? Uh, that conversation happened a week ago. Okay, because you called me. I had to pull over on the highway two weeks ago. Yeah, no, not even, not even. This okay. conversation, I brought it to my cousin last two Fridays ago. And so we effectively did this, had it illustrated and published in a, in a week, just over a week. That is awesome. <laughs> and so we, I brought it to him. We talked about it and we're like, we're going to do this. And I did, um, you know, he he has connections in the art world and we talked to an illustrator and then, you know, I was like, listen, here's what I've done. You know, is this something you're you're interested in? And he loved it and was like, all right, let's do this. And so. Uh, so like you reviewed the dude drew what I think is amazing, like the prose is amazing. But what's also amazing is actually getting the illustrations out and getting those done in a week. Oh my God. I mean, this guy was a rock star. This guy was a rock star. So if you, if you could advise yourself, you know, usually if you get somebody on to write a book and you're like, if you could advise yourself before you wrote the book, what would you say? But you know, your time interval is like 10 days. <laughs> but Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have done anything different because everything about my life is a little bit of a disaster recovery plan. Um, and a little bit of like, uh, you know, at the end, like, look at what we just did. <laughs> I wrote yeah. a book. And I think what's really interesting, especially about this family, is the the three, I like to repeat this, the three least likely people in my family and my wife's family are the only three people in the whole extended family who are published. And we are the underdogs. 
by far. That is awesome. Yeah. So like, it's not just me, like we can figure it out. So, and we were talking about it. We now have a, uh, we have a group chat called the writer's blog. <laughs> <laughs> and that, so I, with the other two have written a book, is there going to be a competition on who sells more copies? Uh, listen, one of them wrote a greeting card. Okay. And the other has written a fantastic book about a very difficult topic um, about uh, fertility. Okay. Her, her challenges with fertility, which is gotcha. a fantastic book um, written by Brett Russo. So I would suggest anybody get that who's having those challenges. It's it's very similar to our type of humor. So even though it's coping with difficult times, like it's it's a really well written book and it's amazing. So um, so I, I'm ready if you want me to read a little bit. Right yeah. Okay, so, all right. So, have no fear, there's always fucking next year. A COVID tale by Scotty Alpaw. <laughs> I was in the city and all was serene when I was asked to work from home because of COVID-19. I walked out of the conference room, barely hiding my smile. Little did I know, I was stepping in a shit pile. I got home and exclaimed, snow day to my wife, thinking this was one of the best days of my life. And sure, for the first few weeks, things were great. Zooming in and out of meetings and cocktails before eight. Just then, as things seemed, they couldn't get any better. A decision was made. Virtual school. Maybe this will be cool. How hard could reading and math for kids be? Wait, what the fuck do you count? What, what, what the fuck do you mean we count using doubles plus three? What the fuck is this thing? It's surely not math. But like murder hornets and wildfires, it would be part of our path. I have an MBA and my wife a JD. We can't figure this shit out. What happened to one plus two equals three? Don't worry. Hold on. The school year's almost through. I'm sure this won't last more than a month or two. I'm going to stop it there. Nice. So, yeah, the poem, would you call it a poem? Uh, I would call it a soliloquy. <laughs> As a soliloquy. I mean, it is amazing. It chronicles from last March till... Our present holiday, you know, the Christmas season of 2020, like it sums up, it sums up so much. And what I, what I thought was amazing is like, it's a little South Parky where it'll, you know, kind of jab everybody. And so since everybody's been jabbed, everybody relates to the book. Yeah. I think, I think, look, that's what, you know, one thing that's important to me and is important in my life is like, look, I'm all, I get that people have different views. I get that people care more about, uh, politics than ever but they all have different views you know i get how uh how the news skews those views and how the social dilemma works and like i get hey, look, that people you did have... a great job hammering everybody and yeah I, look i i think one thing that you have taught me is that it's important to be equally um you know destructive on everybody right oh, like yeah. that's the important thing we need to break each other down and we need to be fairly breaking all of each other down <laughs> and so so i showed it to my family last night we bought 10 copies it is going to be my stocking stuff for the year i i think i'm going to buy everybody on our uh team the book but so um uh, yeah i would tell you the funniest thing that i've heard is like i wanted everybody to buy like a copy and everybody's like i'm getting this for like once they hear a little tidbit of it they're like i'm getting this for everybody i know um just no, because dude, it's think, gonna it's be like a, it's going to be a stocking stuffer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's going to be a phenomenal stock, stocking stuffer. And so, so like, but we were talking earlier, you've already prepared. Uh, you're already noodling on book two. I'm already noodling on book two. It's going to be a children's children's book. 
Um, you know, and it's going to be focused on some of the issues we're facing right now as a culture. Um, and it's going to be, again, it's going to be, it's going to talk through a difficult situation with a kid and, you know, and, and how they, how they get through those. And it'll be written a little bit, it'll be written from a kid's perspective. But again, these are real things that we're dealing with. This is my, in this particular instance, it's, it's, it's someone in my family's, you know, undertaking. Nice. And I, I, you know, I busted your chops at the beginning of the podcast, but like, when I was thinking about it today, I'm like, no, this man was built for this book. <laughs> His happy-go-lucky attitude has got to spread. <laughs> yeah, look, I think if I could make, you know, if I could make a couple people more happy out there or like identify with a couple people, I mean, this book will make you, it will make you feel everything that you felt throughout the year all over again, but it will make you laugh. And like, look, the lesson learned I got from the book was Look, bad things are happening, but you cannot walk around with pooby pants all day long. No. It's like, remember when this was just a flatten the curve? You thought this was going to last like eight weeks? It's not a the, – the most important thing is like there's a lot of chatter going on. This is going to last eight weeks. Wear your mask. You know, um, no indoor dining. Then you can. Your kids can't get it. Now they can. You know, there's been a lot of flip-flopping. And like, you know, look, I this is a discovery this is a discovery. Like we're trying to discover what the problem is. And so we can, you know, we can bitch at those people and we can complain that, that the goalposts are changing, but you know what? They're going to change no matter whether you complain or not. So why don't you just fucking go write a book? Like, why don't you focus on something a little bit more important or sit down and have coffee with your wife or play blocks with your kids or, you know, do something different. Go get an Airbnb and stay in a different place just with your family. Just because you can't control, like the news is ridiculous. Yep. Okay. But you can't control it. Okay. The Democrats think the Republicans are, are, are difficult and each one thinks and vice versa. And everybody thinks their, their political views are horrible. Okay. So we could talk about that, but I mean, what, what are we just going to get each other amped up? And then what are we going to do? Have a cage match? No. I mean, you have families out there who aren't talking to family members because they have differences of opinion. I mean, how is that a thing? Like, let's focus on what's important. We're spending, you know, look, it's terrible. And we have some very close family members in the ICU on a ventilator, um, you know, and we pray for him every day and we worry um, and it is always on our mind, but we can do only what we can do. And that is be present for, for his kids and his family and be present for each other and make sure that we have each other's back. But there's only so much we can control. And so if we think about some of those things outside of that, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can do a lot of good things. You can, you, you can have someone who, who has an understanding of the English language on the level of a first grader can write a book for adults. I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> would you like to hear a great ICU story? I would love to. Okay. So, I think my dad, he got a heart transplant like um, uh, three years ago. And so like we thought he, we thought he, he was on death's door. Like he got, he got a trach. He was, he was knocked out like unconscious for like four or five days. Right. And like, this is an example of the attitude that I learned from Scotty Alpov is when horrible things are going on, you still got to find a way to laugh. You still got to find a way to. Not necessarily have a good time, but and control what you can control and still be grateful that you're alive, right? So my dad's traked out. 
You know what a trach is, right? Yeah. Like he can't breathe through his mouth. So they had to shove a tube through his throat so he could breathe. So he can't talk. He's like pointing to letters to communicate with us. And so our one of our other very good friends, John Green. And now John Green, he was our left tackle on the football team, but he is one of the funniest individuals you've ever met. Would you agree with that, Scotty? I would agree. He was my box. He was my uh he was my uh fighting partner in City Streets. Yeah. And so Green sold uh, implants at the hospital he was in. So he was always visiting my dad. And so like the day he wakes up from being conscious from his trach, like he whispers in his ear enough that the whole room could hear, but he's like, Steve, I promise you, if you make it through this, I will give you the best lap dance in this <laughs> hospital bed of your life. And like, you could hear my dad. He was incredibly painful for him to laugh with that trach, but he still talks about it. Yeah. I, look, I think those are the most important. I mean, that was Green is known for. You know, he's another guy who puts positive spin on stuff and he's been through his own challenges. But like, I, what are you going to like? What are we going to do? We're going to stare at we're going to stare at Cranky Steve, Jimmy's dad with a trach and 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 say, you know, like he this is it and, and not talk to him and not make him laugh. Or we're going to do everything that we can to make everybody feel a little bit better. And that's the, and at the end of the day, like, that's why I can't stand being around people with poopy pants. Like, no matter what it is, you can have an excuse to be poopy pants and whiny and moan and be depressed, or you can try to suck as much fun out of every day possible. Listen, I have every, I have a ton, if you want me to list them, I mean, I have a million reasons to complain. I just know it's not going to do me any good. And so, hey, maybe I'll sell a couple books. Like <laughs> maybe I'll make some people feel better. Like, what are we doing? Like, you know, my wife will tell you now I can do latte art. I mean, what was, what is that about? And it's just because I have a little extra time. I love it. So, so I'm going to post a link everywhere I can for this book. I cannot recommend this book as a, there's not a better stocking stuff or you can get, what is it? It's December 14th. Not a better stocking stuffer out there that you can get for your family. And then, I, you know what it's done for me, this book, it just, it just put a bow on this year. Right. <laughs> and what I'm looking forward to is like 2022, seeing this book on my bookshelf and just spinning through it and just like remembering all the memories, like remote schooling, absolute worst. <laughs> and like, just remembering that. Absolutely. And I think like what, like everything that happened this year was like how it was the next thing it was kind of like iraq like every day in iraq you'd look over and be like i'm never gonna see something as crazy as this and then the next day you'd be like whoa that's what this year was and why not end it with a guy who has no business writing writing a book that everybody laughs at i mean how is that not a thing well scotty i hope you become a best-selling author because <laughs> at the at the end of the day it's about being a best-selling author not a best writing author <laughs> If it were a writing competition, I'd lose. Awesome. All right. Well, you got anything else to say to the podcast listeners? No, I mean, just listen, this year has been tough. Um, no disrespect on that. And, and, and you can focus on the negative or you can look for the positive. And there are there is a lot of positive happening out there. You know, so try not to listen to, to all the noise and, and try and be a little bit positive and find a silver lining. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. All right. See you, buddy. See you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become 
financially free in 10 years or less? Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working, and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free, and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join. I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.